Well, let's go ahead and open our Bibles, if you brought your Bibles. Hopefully you brought your Bible to church this morning to Matthew 7. We're continuing our study in the Gospel of Matthew this morning. And we're also continuing to go through the Sermon on the Mount. And how many of you can remember when we started going through the Sermon on the Mount? Does anyone remember? January, that's right. It was the January 1st when we started Matthew 5, and we have five weeks left on this sermon. So we're on the home stretch here. We'll be finishing in the month of October, and today we're going to continue to look at this great sermon that Jesus gave his disciples. As a reminder, Jesus is preaching this sermon to his disciples, those who are followers of Christ, who have submitted to his lordship, who are citizens of his kingdom, who desire to follow him. How many of you can say, that's me this morning? We are disciples, followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, Jesus is going to be teaching us again about prayer. Now, this is the second time that prayer has been taught in this sermon. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to us that Jesus would have multiple teachings in prayer in one sermon because Jesus was a man of prayer. In, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, either Jesus going off to pray or Jesus teaching on prayer happens over almost 30 passages in the Gospels alone. And so we know that Jesus cares deeply about prayer, and so he wants us as his followers to live a lifestyle of prayer. And I think this is significant that Jesus prayed more than anyone else. I believe he did, because he knew the Father more than anybody else. And so Jesus' knowledge of the Father and who he truly was led him to live a lifestyle of prayer. And also in the Gospels in Luke, the disciples, they come to Jesus. And it's the only account we have of them asking Jesus to teach them something. And they didn't come to Jesus and say, Lord, can you teach us to walk on water? Or can you teach us to uh, turn some more water into wine? That's a nice trick we'd like to have in our back pocket. No they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. They saw the lifestyle of prayer that Jesus lived, his example of prayer, and they wanted to learn how to pray. And so my hope is that like those disciples, we have that longing as well. I don't know about you, but I still have room to grow in prayer. I think prayer is the hardest spiritual discipline for the life of the believer. And so Jesus, out of his love for us, has another teaching for us in this Sermon on the Mount on prayer. And so let's go ahead and look at this this morning in Matthew 7. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11 this morning. You know what? I know we just sat down, but why don't we stand uh, for the reading of our passage today? Matthew 7, verse 7. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is the word of God. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you care about us enough to give us this teaching on prayer. Lord, I pray that the words of Christ would be sweet to our ears today. Lord, that they would speak to our hearts today. Father, that by the leading of your Holy Spirit, that we would be obedient to your word, and that we would grab onto these truths in your scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated this morning. So this morning, I have four P's on prayer. I tried to preach in a way this morning that Matt, Pastor Matt, would listen to and say, hey, I I like that. If you notice, Pastor Matt sometimes likes to give us three P's or four F's or sometimes four F's and then a P if he can't think of five F's or whatever. So today we've got four P's on prayer. And my hope is that as we grab onto these truths that we get out of this passage, that it will deepen our lifestyle of prayer, that it will draw us to our knees to spend more time in prayer. Because as we've seen, this is, I believe, God's desire for the life of his followers is that we would be people who pray. And so the first P we're going to look at in this passage today is persistence. Persistence in prayer. Again, verse 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. So here we see these three words, ask, seek, knock. And these are action words. Prayer is an active thing that we do. Prayer isn't something that we just stumble into. If that were the case, I think we would all pray more. But the fact that prayer does take action, it does take work, it does take persistence, oftentimes this is what can hinder us from praying. But prayer takes intentionality. And I think Jesus knows this, and so he's telling us to persist, to be dedicated to prayer, to be devoted to it. He doesn't just say ask, but he goes a step further and says, don't just ask, but seek, and then knock. It shows someone who is persistent in praying. Now, how many of you have ever misplaced something that's valuable before? I think, yes, we've all done something like that before. And when you do that, you don't just seek for, you know, a minute. And if you don't find it, say, oh, well, you know, it was just $1,000 I lost. Not a big deal. It'll, it'll show up. No. When you lose something valuable, you seek after it. And you keep seeking 
until you find it. And if you don't find it, it weighs on your mind until you've either found it or you realize that it's completely lost. But you seek after that which you truly desire to gain or to find. And Jesus says we are to be the same in prayer. For whatever reason, my children, they have about 350 stuffed animals. And at least once a week, they lose a specific stuffed animal. And everything has to stop until they have found that one stuffed animal. And I tell them, if you don't have, you know, a thousand stuffed animals, it'd be easier to find that one animal that you've lost. They haven't grabbed onto that truth yet. However, it... Oftentimes, it's like the whole operation of the house stops and everybody has to seek until they find that animal. Well, Jesus is saying our prayer life should be the same. That we ask the Lord, we seek the Lord, we we knock until we get our answer. That we are persistent in prayer. And many times in our lives, I think that we can be too passive in prayer. That we go to God with a need and we pray one time and then we say, all right, God, I've, I've left it in your hands. Let, let your will be done. If you want this thing to happen, I've prayed. If not, then I know that that's your answer for me. Now, I don't think it's wrong to trust in the Lord in that way. Yes, we, we give our lives into his hands. We trust in the Lord in that way. But I think Jesus is telling us that we are to continue praying, to continue seeking, to continue knocking until we know that he has moved on our behalf in that situation. Or maybe you just trust so much in God's sovereignty and you say, well, God knows my heart. God's in control of all things. So why even pray at all? Maybe you've had that thought before. If God's in control of everything, he's already going to do what he's going to do. He's decided that before the foundation of the world. Why should I even pray? Well, we pray because Jesus tells us to pray. And that alone is reason why we pray. If if for no other reason than to obey our master, we should pray. But Jesus is telling us here to persist in prayer. In Luke chapter 18, if you could turn over there with me. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives us a parable on being persistent in prayer. And the first verse, Luke, he introduces this parable. And listen what he says here. Listen how Luke describes this parable. He says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So to me, that sounds like a lifestyle of persistent prayer, that we are always to pray and then we are not to lose heart when we pray and we don't see yet an answer to prayer. But then Jesus now, he gives this parable starting in verse two. It says, he said, Jesus said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, 
Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will God, and will not God, give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so in this parable, we see that even the unrighteous judge yields to the persistent widow. And Jesus is saying, how much more will I, who cares for his elect, answer those who are persistent with me? Now, don't read this and think that you annoy Jesus with your prayers. Jesus is not the unrighteous judge. We do not bother Jesus when we go to him in prayer. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he is saying is when we come to him earnestly in prayer, submitted before him, seeking his will, giving our needs to him, he will answer us. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear here that we are to pray and to continue to pray and to keep on praying. Notice he says here, his elect cried to him day and night. So I think all throughout Scripture, we are shown that a believer is to be praying. And that we're not to just give our needs to the Lord one time and just kind of release it. That we are to continue to seek the Lord and continue in praying. And I'll be honest, this is challenging for me. Um, there's been times in my life where I've gone through something and I've prayed and I've had that um, approach to the Lord. Well, God, I've, I've prayed and it's in your hands now, so let your will be done. An example of this is uh, since I was about 18, I've struggled with really bad back pain. And for whatever reason, that's just been uh, something that I've had to deal with. And a couple of years ago, it got really bad to the effect that I was laid up in bed, um, getting ready to leave the house anytime. My, my kids had to put my shoes and socks on for me because I just couldn't even bend over to do that. And I had prayed, but then I had, you know, come to the understanding, Lord, this is just, you know, my lot in life. You've decided this is going to be the thorn in my flesh, so to say. And so I didn't continue to pray. Thankfully, we have some men here in the church that have already bought into this teaching of persistent prayer. Uh, two men specifically, Pastor Terry and John Nelson, they continued to pray for my back. Many times I would go into Pastor Terry's office and he could tell that I was in some discomfort and he would just stop what he was doing and he would lay hands on my back and he would pray and John Nelson as well. And honestly, my heart wasn't completely in it. Yes, I would believe in that moment, but you know, I would be thinking, well, I've, I've prayed and it's in God's hands. Thankfully, they were persistent in their prayers, and I'm also thankful 
um, to say that today my back is feeling better than it has in years, and um, God has healed me, and I believe it's because of their persistent prayers, and maybe you've seen an example of that in your life. Maybe you know of, of someone who was astray. They had walked away from the Lord and you continued to pray and you continued to pray and you continued to seek the Lord and to believe for their salvation and you've seen them come to Christ. This is the lifestyle of prayer that Jesus is wanting us to take hold of today. Now, I'm sure also that there are some in here that have been persistent in prayer and you've yet to see the answer to that prayer, and you're wondering how this is lined up with our passage today, well, I'm going to show you that in a little bit, so don't lose that thought. But I do believe that every time we pray, God hears us and He does answer us. And so we are to continue to pray and be persistent in that prayer. So that's the first P. Now the second P is the purpose of prayer. Why do we pray? What is the goal? What is our target? What is it that we are to aim for when we pray? Well, in this example, in our passage today, Jesus uses the example of a son asking his father for provision. The son goes to his father and asks for bread, and he asks for fish. He's, he's showing that he is reliant on his father for provision. And so I think that is one of the purposes of prayer, is to show our dependence on God. But that's also one of the parts of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And so I'd like to um, quickly just look at the Lord's Prayer again, because I think it's in that that we find the purpose of prayer. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus' model of prayer for us. And so if we ever want to learn how to pray or, or know what the purpose of prayer is, I think we would be wise to go to Jesus' example of how to pray. But in the Lord's Prayer, I think we see four things that show us what the purpose of prayer is. And the first thing is that we are to magnify the Lord. When we pray, we lift up the name of God. We glory in His name. We give Him the glory that is due His name. We see this in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. That every time we pray, we should spend time lifting up the name of God. The second reason we pray is to align our hearts with the heart of the Father. And we see Jesus do this over and over. He would go off by himself to pray alone with the Father. And I think he was doing this to make sure that his will was lined up with the will of the Father. And we know this because in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Jesus, in his times of prayer, wanted to make sure that his heart was aligned with the heart of the Father, and he was praying according to the will of the Father. So that's the second thing. The third thing, again, going back to provision, is that it shows our dependence on God. 
When we pray, we're, we're showing God that we trust in Him. That we're not looking to ourselves to intervene in the circumstance. We're looking to the Lord. That we are trusting and dependent on Him. And so I think we can look at that as one of the purposes of prayer and then in turn say, if you are not praying, if you say you're a believer and you have zero lifestyle of prayer, I think it shows that you are not dependent on the Lord. That you are trusting in your own might and trusting in yourself in the situations of your life and not on God. And so the third thing that we see in prayer is that it shows our dependence on Him. We realize that without Him interacting, without Him stepping into the situation, we are helpless. And so we go to Him trusting that He will work on our behalf. And then the fourth is for our sanctification. And we see this in the Lord's Prayer, that we would be forgiving as Christ is forgiving that we wouldn't fall into temptation in the same way that Christ overcame temptation. And so I think part of our prayer is that it makes us more like Christ. And so this is the purpose of prayer, that we would magnify the Lord, that we would align our hearts with His, that we would show our dependence on God, and that it would sanctify us. Now, to pray in this manner, to, to pray purposefully, as has been revealed in the Word, we need to know the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, if you don't know who God is and His attributes and what He has done for you, how are you going to magnify Him? How are you going to hallow His name if you don't know His name, if you don't know who He is, if you don't know His character? And in the same way, how are you going to make sure that what you're praying is in accordance to His will if you don't know the will of God as it's been revealed in His Word? R.C. Sproul said this, Those who have the most powerful prayer life are those who have mastered the Word of God. And maybe you've, you've seen examples of this in your life. Uh, my grandparents were, they spent hours a day in prayer but they also read the Bible more than anybody that I've ever met. And so I think there's a correlation there. Your knowledge of the Word of God and your knowledge of who God is will lead to more purposeful times of prayer. And the Word, it, it shapes our prayers. For example, we, we saw a few weeks ago in Matthew 6 that Jesus says that we're not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth. And so that teaching in God's Word shapes our prayers. We don't pray, Lord, give me a 10-bedroom mansion so that I can live a life of luxury. Or God, just pour your blessings on me and give me that private jet so that I can fly anywhere I want, whenever I want. No, our knowledge of the Word of God helps us pray according to His will. And I believe that it is those prayers that God answers. So that's the second P. So we've looked at our persistence in prayer, our purpose of prayer. And now the third P is our position in prayer. Now I'm not talking about your stance in prayer, okay? If you pray on your knees or lay down or stand up or walk around, that's not the position I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about our position before God. And both the Lord's Prayer and our passage today, Jesus shows us that God relates to us as our Father. And this is something that we always need to remind ourselves of, that God is our Father and that we are His children. And the truth of that, how is that even possible? It's only because of the work of Christ that we have the right to approach God as Father. Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so every time we pray, I think we should do so realizing what Christ has accomplished, what He has done that has even made it possible for us to confidently approach God as Father. As we sang this morning in Christ alone, that because of Christ, sin's curse has lost its grip on us. The curse of sin, part of that curse was that we could not approach a holy God. That we could not go to God. But now, because of the work of Christ, we can confidently go before Christ, go before God in prayer, and He hears us as our Father. But it's also important to remember that, yes, even though He is our Father, He is still God Almighty. That He still is the God that is seated on the throne that the angels cry 24-7, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we have to be careful that, yes, even though God is our Father, that we don't approach Him how some of us approach our dad. You know, yo pops, I need a raise, it'd be great if you could give that to me now, you know, I'm waiting. No, we still understand who we are and who God is. We don't lose sight of that when we pray. We make requests to our Father. We don't make demands. And I think we we can become uh, casual in our prayer where we lose sight of this and and we tend to just, you know, we we skip hallowing His name. We skip lifting Him up. We, We don't even think about what Christ has done that has made it possible to approach Him in prayer. We just go straight to God with our lists of of needs or wants and we say, God, can you make this happen for me? But God is our righteous king. He's not a a genie in the bottle that we pull out whenever we want something. And we need to remember that. Yes, he is our father. Yes, we can confidently approach him. But we still approach him with reverence and with respect and with a holy fear. So I want to encourage you to remember your position this week as you pray. I know there's times where an emergency comes up and you need to go right to God with that prayer. But especially in our times of daily devotion and prayer, let's remember our position. Remember who God is. That He is our Father. Remember what Christ has done to make that possible. That Christ has laid down His life so that we can have 24-7 access to the Father. And and meditate on that. 
Meditate on how amazing it is that you are a child of God. You have been adopted into His family. Your your heavenly ID card, it says child of God on there as your spiritual last name, so to say. That is our identity. Meditate on that. And, And I believe that as we do that, it should lead us more to more times of prayer as we realize our position that we have with the Father. And so this now brings us to our last P today. So we've seen that we're to be persistent in prayer. We've looked at the purpose of prayer. We've looked at our position in prayer. And this last P I want to look at is the promise that we have in prayer. So again, let's look at verses 8 through 11. Jesus says, For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? There's two promises I want to highlight in this passage. The first is that God hears our prayers. When we pray, God hears us. Jesus says, everyone who asks, receives. Well, the only way that everyone who asks could receive is that God hears everyone who prays. Now, I love when the Bible gives us all-inclusive statements like this. We never have to wonder if God hears us when we pray. We should never wonder if God hears us when we pray. John Calvin said, nothing is better adapted to excite us to prayer than a full conviction that we shall be heard. Do you have this conviction? That when you pray, God does hear you. This is a promise from Jesus. Do you truly believe it? Do you truly believe that the God who created the universe, who set the stars and the planets in place, that the God who made all creation, the God who split the seas for Moses, the God who provided a ram for Abraham, the God who opened the eyes of the blind, do you believe that that God hears you When you pray, I think if we truly, truly believe this, it would be impossible for us to live a life where we don't pray. If, If we truly understand that we have access to God the Father and that every time we go to Him, He hears us, what are we doing living a life of dormant prayer? And the amazing thing is that God doesn't not only hear you when you pray, He actually listens to you. I don't know if you know this, but there's a difference in hearing someone and listening to someone. Um, This is something that in my, I'm doing the math in my head, uh, 12 years of marriage I've come to figure out. That you can actually hear your wife or your spouse without listening to them. You can hear what they're saying and you can be nodding and at the same time you're 
your mind is completely somewhere else. I can tell by the, the chuckles that I'm not the only one that's experienced this before. But God isn't like that when we pray. God doesn't say, hold on, let me, I've got so much on my plate right now, if you could come back at another time so that I can give you my full attention. No, every time we go to the throne of God, we have His full attention. We don't have to worry if He's listening to us. We can know that we have His attention and that He is listening when we pray. So that's the first promise that we can hold on to when we pray that He hears us and that He is listening to us. The second promise is that God as our Heavenly Father will give us good things. Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God desires to give us good things. This shouldn't be hard for any of us to uh, get on board with. For instance, I see it's drizzling a little bit right now. God is giving us rain, which is a good thing. Thank you, Lord, for that timing. But when we're persistent in prayer, and we know the purpose of prayer, we're praying according to His will. We understand our position in prayer. We go to Him humbly as our Father. We can expect Him to answer us, and His answer will be a good answer. Now, I truly believe this. Now, what can be difficult to come to terms with is that sometimes God's definition of a good thing for us isn't necessarily our definition of a good thing for us. Sometimes we may genuinely ask God for the wrong thing, thinking we are asking Him for the right thing. And so in God's love for us, He withholds that which we have asked so that He can give us something better. It wouldn't be loving for God to give us everything that we ask of Him. How many of you don't give your children everything they ask of you? No. If, if so, you know, none of them would have any teeth by the time they're five. They would all be falling out. <laughs> My kids ask me at least once a day, you know, if they can have some candy. They store up their candy from who knows where, and they, they keep it, and they ask, can, can I have candy? Some days I say yes, but some days as their father, knowing, their, knowing my children, knowing their life, I know, well, no, you've already had a piece of cake today, or you've already had some soda today, or some kind of other sweet. And so in me desiring to give you a good thing, I'm going to say no to your request, and I'll give you something better. Here's a fresh apple to eat. Now, do you think in the moment they think, oh, what a good dad I have. <laughs> he loves to give me good things. Of course not. And I think sometimes we've been there with God. He, he answers our prayers sometimes in a way that we think he's got it wrong. 
But this passage shows us that every time God hears us and answers our prayer, he gives us something good. I don't believe that God can give us something evil. And so the the part of the believer, what we have to trust is that God is giving us something good. Even when in in the natural and, and to our own abilities, it doesn't look good at the time. Now, I I truly believe that, you know, in the example of my back, you could say, well, you know, God wasn't giving you something good for those, whatever, almost 20 years of back pain. But in that, I really learned to trust and rely on God. In that, I went to the Word more than ever, finding hope, finding strength, finding peace, I also educated myself on how to properly take care of my back and to strengthen my back. So I, even, even though I didn't receive the healing and the timing I thought was good, I see good things had come from that example. And maybe you've seen that in your life as well. You've seen times that maybe God didn't answer your prayer in the way that you prayed it. But in the long run, you see that it was good that he didn't answer exactly how you prayed and how he has worked in your life through that. Charles Spurgeon says, Our Heavenly Father Himself knows how to give far better than we know how to ask. We have a a Heavenly Father who knows us more than we even know ourselves. And every time He gives us something, we can trust that what He is giving us is a good thing. Now, we as parents and as loving people, surely we've given gifts before that we thought we were giving someone a good thing and it didn't turn out so well. You know, I I, um, have a robot that I gave my children. Now, this kind of works as an example, kind of doesn't. But it was a very good gift for my children, but I recently had a friend come over and he brought his daughter over and she was completely terrified of this remote control robot. Now, if my friend had thought before he knew this about his daughter that, oh, if I bought her this remote control robot, this would be an amazing gift for her, he would have found out that that gift was not a good gift. So even us who desire to give good things to our children at times in our limited knowledge, we can give them the wrong thing even out of a good heart. But we never have to worry about that with God. He never gives us something and then says, oh, you know what, I gave them the wrong gift. Uh, How can I fix this? How can I um, adjust to the gift that I gave them and, and work in their life to fix the wrong thing that I have given them. No, we can trust that every time we go to the Lord in prayer, He hears us because we are His children and He answers us because He desires to give us good things. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, if not my favorite. Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know... That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. So Paul knew this. Do you know this? 
Do you believe this? That God is truly working all things in your life for your good. Now maybe today you, your example of an earthly father um, is not a loving one. Is not one of a father that has given you good things. In fact, maybe you've had a father that has purposefully harmed you. Or maybe you have no example of a father in your life and you, you have a hard time grabbing on to this idea that there is a father out there that truly wants to give you good things. Remind yourself of your position, who you are in Christ. Remind yourself of the love of God, that he loved you so much. He sent his perfect sinless, spotless son to this earth to be sacrificed for you so that you can have a father who loves you and cares about you and provides for you and gives you good things. Trust in that. James 1, verses 17 through 18. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We have a heavenly Father who loves to give us good gifts, and in his will, he planned it from the beginning of the foundation of the world, that you would be a child of God so that you can confidently approach him in prayer, trusting that he hears you, that he loves you, and that he will answer you when you pray. And so I hope that today, that in this passage, you've seen the truth of prayer that it will give you a a confidence to pray more, that it will give you a desire to pray more, that you'll be challenged to be more persistent in your prayer life, that you'll remember the purpose of prayer. We don't just go to God with our laundry list of needs and wants and desires. No, we go to God because of who He is. We go to God to lift Him up and to worship Him and to magnify Him. We also go to God to make sure that our wants and our needs are in line with His Word and His will. And then, yes, of course, we take our needs, we we take our cares to Him. Jesus said to cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. So, yes, that is part of our prayer. We are to have that intimate relationship with God where we go to Him with our needs, and then also we pray so that we will be sanctified, that we will be shaped more into the likeness of Christ. And so remember that. Remember the purpose of prayer, and then our position that we do have a heavenly Father, and that our Father is the King of the universe. He owns all things, He's created all things, He's in control of all things. And so, if we were to ask anybody for anything, it should be our heavenly Father. And then trust in his promises that he hears you when you pray and that he desires to give you good things. Do you believe this? Amen. Amen. And so let's resolve in our hearts today that we will exemplify these four 
P's of prayer in our lives. And here at Christ as King Church, our, we say our very existence is to advance the kingdom of Christ in every area of thought and life. And I can't think of a better way to advance the kingdom of God than by starting on our knees in prayer. And so can, can you just imagine what God can do in a church that is humbly before Him daily on our knees in prayer going before Him? I don't think it would be long before revival truly took place in this community and in our city. And that His kingdom, yes, amen, that we would see His kingdom come in San Antonio as we go to Him in prayer. Amen? Well, let's do just that this morning. Father, we thank You. Lord, I thank You that You hear us right now. Lord, we aren't praying to a statue. We aren't praying to some lifeless being. We are praying to the God of life itself. We are praying to the King of the universe. Lord, we do come humbly before you, recognizing that if it wasn't for the work of Christ, we would have no right to pray before you, no right to ask anything of you. But we come before you knowing that because of his finished work, we do have the right to ask you to work on our behalf. So Lord, today as a blood-washed saint of Christ, I do ask that you would work in our hearts. Lord, convict us by your Holy Spirit for our lackluster prayer lives. God, that you would send us to our knees daily in prayer. Lord, that we would recognize our complete dependence on you in every area of our lives. Lord, and what, what a beautiful thing that is that we can release control of our lives over to the one who is in control of all things. God, I thank you that you hear us when we pray. And Lord, I thank you that you answer us when we pray. Father, for those that are in here today that are struggling to believe this truth, I pray that you would comfort them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would work in their behalf that you would bring healing to their situation, you would bring provision to their lives, Lord, that they would see that you truly are a good, loving Father. We thank you for all of this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.